Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with songwriters and musicians about songs and music. My name is Mike, and our guest this week is Beth Whitney, who joins us from her home in Leavenworth, Washington, to talk about her new record, Into the Ground, which just came out on Tone Tree Music. I had not been familiar with Beth's music, but I came across her song, Two Sons, from this record, and it really caught my attention, both in lyrical content and in its interesting arrangement kind of its overall vibe. As I later learned, Beth's musical collaborator is her husband, Aaron Fishburne, who plays the upright bass, and he really brings some amazing sounds to this record. So I was able to listen to the rest of the record, and I really, really enjoyed it. It is somehow warm and peaceful, while also being surprising and challenging in various ways. So you should check it out. It's called Into the Ground. So I really enjoyed talking with songwriters about sense of place in their music how the surroundings they grew up in or have lived in find their ways into their songs. On other episodes, we've heard David Wax talk about how his time in Mexico has influenced his entire approach. We heard the small glories write stories about some of the favorite places in their native Canada. We heard Pony Bradshaw talk about the entire album he wrote based on the characters and landscapes of the Georgia mountains that he calls home. And here, Beth Whitney talks very directly about the importance of her home in Washington State in her writing. Interestingly, the home Beth talks about is not the rainy, spooky Pacific Northwest that comes to my mind, but instead, it is the high desert of the more eastern Washington, land of mountains, snow, and sun, that inhabits her songs. Beth, in fact, says something like, if it weren't for sense of place, she's not sure what she would write about at all. I need to mention something else about our discussion here. I am always so grateful to these artists who take the time, an hour or more, out of their busy schedule, often during record release time, which is an even busier time for them than usual, to talk with me and be so present and thoughtful in our discussions. Beth's case, I'm particularly grateful, as I did not know this beforehand, but it came up in our discussion that she had just recently, in the previous two weeks in fact, lost two very close family members, with her sister and her grandfather both passing away. Obviously, this was a very difficult time for Beth, but not only did she make the time for this discussion, but she also talks very movingly and eloquently about how these two important people are present in this record she created. So special thank you to Beth. I feel blessed that she chose to share her time and those thoughts with us while all of this was so fresh and raw for her. Special shout out to Sarah Bennett at IVPR, again, for not only turning me on to Beth's music in the first place, but for making this discussion happen as well. Really appreciate it. So let's get to it. Here's our Tell You What discussion with Beth Whitney. What is it that you want these days? A drop in the bucket or a tidal wave? I can't keep it straight. I can't keep it straight I'm a whore, I'm a whore, I'm a whore, I'm a whore. 
Okay, Beth Whitney, welcome to Tell You What the Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, Mike. As we record this, we're a couple months away from your record release, right? Yeah. Um, when this is out there, the record will be out. But right now you're in kind of that period of waiting for the record to come out. But the singles, the, sing- the songs are kind of being released a little bit here or there. They're making their way out. It's kind of an interesting time for you, right? Yeah, it's it's always... Well, I, I liken probably too many things to being pregnant. It's uh, it's like it's like being really pregnant, and you're just it's like it feels like you're nine months pregnant for about a year with an album. It's just you're just you've made it and you you want to release it and uh, let it let it start growing up, but you have to wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a long wait, right? From when you feel like you're done with it until it gets out in the world. Yes. Yeah, by by the time you finished it, you you know those songs all the way through and all the way back, and <laughs> to, you you feel like it. So then it's kind of shocking when it's new to someone when they hear right. the song and they're like, "Oh, I love your new song." You're like, "Have I written this?" Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's also a little bit interesting now versus maybe when you released your first couple of records, how the songs kind of make their way out before the album does. Is that kind of a new newer thing for you? Yeah, and it's it's been really cool to work with um, Tone Tree. Uh, they really have a good, um, just a, I don't want to say method because it's more romantic than that. Just sort of releasing little bits as you go along. and um, And it helps, I think, as listeners to hear each song on its own because when you get a whole album some people are good about just really sitting down with an album and listening through and giving each song some breath but just doing a little bit at a time this way over a few months each song gets its own its own little place and I it's been neat to um, just work with them and have them sort of guide me on how to how and when to release things to just honor the songs the most and honor those who are um who listen so well i'll tell you it worked for me because i one of your songs caught my attention one of the singles from the upcoming record so in that sense that's how i came across this and how i will then be looking forward to the record the full record nice (laughs) Um, so let's let's travel back in time for a bit if we can you grew up in the northwest right western washington yeah um Can you talk about the music and maybe other creative influences that were around when you were younger and how some of that maybe finds its way into what you're creating now? Yeah, I um, yeah, I grew up um, at 43 feet above sea level. I don't know why that was the first thing that popped into my head. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, well, part of it was just we had floods every every fall and some of them were really nice and deep and would go up to the top step and um it was a really awesome household to grow up and there's six kids and um we it was a small farm and I didn't really we were mostly into sports all of us but my mom was very theatrical and musical and um, a portrait artist and um, she would uh, be always singing and trying to get us to sing and we all just totally gave in and we would just sing all the time and eventually um that was just part of how we lived it was a little von trapp ish but (laughs) what kind of music were you singing with the family yeah uh, a lot of like rounds like and we still remember them and sometimes 
you know, we're all like 30s and 20s, 30s and 40s now, and we'll get together and sing these ridiculous rounds. And um, in a lot of musicals, we watched, I know, like, all, most Rodgers and Hammerstein um, musicals by, by heart. I, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I grew up with a lot of musicals, a lot of... Um, a lot of singing rounds and I think being the fifth of six kids it made me um, you know survival wise I, I had to find a part that wasn't taken yet and they were all taken like the lead was taken and the third above was taken as far as harmony goes and third third below and the octave so I had to really get creative if I wanted to be my own like unique voice so um, you make it sound like a pretty formal enterprise it, it wasn't. I, I know it wasn't. But uh, yeah, I, it just uh, it made me. You had to it, work to. I had get to your work. Yeah, if there. I was gonna. Yeah. yeah, and so even still, now when I'm singing lead, I'm like, I'd always rather be the butter, you know, than the bread. Like I want to, or the jam, or the chimichurri, or the like the the accent, you know, rather yes. than the steak or the potato. So I went, singing even my own my own songs and my own music and singing lead is is I like that but when we get to the part where I'm singing harmony or I'm trying to you know add little things that's my favorite part <laughs> it's kind of a small part actually of yeah. recording but um yeah so we I grew up big family singing a lot a lot in cars and we were sort of known as a family that would just break out into song and we went to this little church in Maltby, near the Maltby Cafe, <laughs> this really famous breakfast spot. But next to it, there's a church, and um, we pretty much were the children's choir. <laughs> so we just sort of, yeah, played played softball and basketball, and then sang. And it was a really good, a really good place to grow up. Um, At some point, you picked up a guitar. Is that right? Is that the first yeah. instrument? Yeah. Uh, well, I I did play piano. Um, a little we had a piano in the living room okay. so i played it and and uh had some lessons early on um there was I, I was downstairs at that same church actually and a guy um this really sweet man named leroy he was um maybe in his 80s at the time but he said i think this was a compliment or maybe not but he came up and he said hey what would you think about me getting you some piano lessons because i think he just saw me <laughs> i could take that differently i guess but i'm gonna right. i'm gonna say he saw potential is what happened <laughs> i'm sure that's what, it was. that's what it was that's what it was and um i said sure and so that would be cool and so i was so from when i was like seven to ten i had piano lessons um and then guitar i picked up in i was a 15 i think 15 or 16 16 i had done a exchange pro program in Australia and their school semesters are from uh from July to November was was that seems like a really long time anyway that was the season I was there and then right. when when I got home ha having finished my semester anyway yeah I had all this free time so I started to kind of play around with the guitar and then later on I when I started um the softball season when I finally got back in school I broke my finger in our first game and I like my index finger on my right hand which is like a needed thing for softball and sure <laughs> and so and I was a pitcher <laughs> anyway so I had a lot of I had more free time on my hands and um 
yeah, around that same time I was given a guitar by that same man actually at church. He reached oh, out. Wow. Yeah, and he said, could you use this? And he reached out the guitar and I looked at the guitar and I remember thinking like, can I use this? Can I use this? Can mm. I use this? Can I use, you know, I got really existential about it. And, and then I said, yes. And I reached out and, um, started playing guitar at that point, but it was so fun. It was just a delight to bring it home and see how chords and melody are like, it was like the, the shortest bridge I've ever crossed. It was like, interesting. Like it was waiting for you. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd written poetry and I loved melodies and apparently as a little kid, I, just, I was a weird kid, I guess. <laughs> but I would just like wander in our field and and hum to myself. And like mm. we had this big field of tall grass that was like taller than me. And I would make these tunnels in the grass and, and hum. And that was, that was what I did with my time. Um. <laughs> well, so when you got the guitar, did that lead you to start writing songs, like formally writing songs? I probably, if you'd said formally, I would have laughed at the time, but yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, that was the bridge. It was just like, okay, I've, I've always hummed and sang, and then I'd always written poetry, and I hadn't even put those two together, and then I got a guitar and started learning a couple chords, and then they kind of fused into this songwriting thing, and it was just funny. It was like, for some reason, really funny to me. Like that, that's it. That was the mystery of songwriting. Like that's what people do to, anyway, it, it's, yeah. you know, no, you, that's interesting. You, you grow and you, you learn, you know, how songs can be better and everything, but basically. So it, yeah. would you say it was songwriting, that creative outlet that drove you into and to music rather than wanting to part, continue to participate in music more generally? Yeah, I I think it was um I mean the the one of the first reasons I wrote a song um and I wish this was a more romantic answer but I had a school assignment um to it was for sophomore English and I was supposed to write us or no I was supposed to do anything you could do anything but it had to be um you know they gave us a topic and you had to just research and do, you know, just, it was so open-ended. Um, and I had procrastinated, which is, you know, that's, that's because what you do. Yes. Yeah. That's, I'm afraid that's what it is. But, um, I procrastinated and then I was like, Oh, I just got a guitar. I'll, uh, maybe I'll write a song for it. And, and I wrote a song for it and I was like, this is, you know, when you turn in an assignment and you're like, Oh my gosh, I, if I could fake sick or break a leg, like that would be <laughs> ideal right now. But uh, anyway, so I ended up writing this song and I went in and I um, performed the song for the class and and I finished just sort of like, oh my gosh. That was pretty bold. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I needed, I, I needed to do a project and I, yeah. <laughs> you know, but after I finished like the, the whole, cl- it was like a standing ovation. They all like jumped out of their seats and clapped and I was like, what? <laughs> and then, um, that's great. Yeah. It was just sort of this. And I, so to me, that's not a very romantic answer because it was like, yeah, but, but I could, what well, I love, let's, let, <laughs> let, let me, let me try and put a point on the romance here. How long between when you were handed the guitar and you performed that song? 
uh, let's see. Well, sophomore English, so um, it would have been a few months. Yeah, probably. So that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, I can give my, <laughs> give a little credit there. A few yeah. people would have be performing their first song that they wrote three months after they handed <laughs> the instrument. Well, I think it's part of the fifth kid syndrome too. Like anything that you know, if you if you can get a little bit of like getting a little bit of attention is survival when you're a fifth kid because you, you know, you're, you're, you're far down the line and yes. you have to, I was the, I was the eighth out of nine. So I, oh, I know where man. you're coming from. Yeah. And you're not yes. even quite the youngest. So you're not even like, you're not really babied and you're not really, right. yeah. You're the forgotten one. Basically. Yeah. You yeah. have to, and you, you learn <laughs> like, um, yeah. So I, that was one of the first songs I wrote. And I, I think, I mean, I think deeper than that, what was happening was I found a way to, um, to connect with, with people and in this new way that I hadn't really done before. And I'm this odd combination of theatrical and shy. And I, you know, I've, I've always had like a couple close friends, but sort of a general feeling of loneliness just throughout my whole existence and and not really a tangible loneliness doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of siblings and I did have friends, but it's a, it's like just this general loneliness that's followed me. And, but then there's these moments in music where I, I, I suddenly feel like, Oh, here I am. And, and here you are. And, and we're, in this moment, we there we are not lonely, both of us, and so I, I think that's what was happening in the class. And I think, um, you know, I think that that's the thing I've been pursuing and following ever since then. Is it's like a I don't want to say weapon, but for lack of better, yeah, a tool to to um, uh, combat. Well, yeah. Like I said, I do want to say weapon. It's like a weapon against loneliness. It's like a, um, or a tool to foster um, connection, I guess. Right. Would be the positive way to put it. You had talked about poetry, writing poetry before this. So now you're starting to write songs. Are you not then thinking, oh, I used to write this poetry. Now I'm going to write this poetry, but set it to music. Or did you think of it as a new and different thing? I guess it was a new and different thing because I didn't actually try to put any of those poems to music. Um, I guess when then I, from that point on, when I was when I thought of a lyric or I thought of a poetic line or I saw an image I felt could be expanded on, I um, you know I was thinking then in terms of not just language but music. I mean, in a in a way, it's a new thing, but it also it sort of just added on. It was. A, the roof of a house it was the next thing to do but <clears throat> i found some of my old poetry and it is like deliciously bad like it's really <laughs> it is so fun to read it and and that year old yeah girl yeah and stuff, it's like right? del- it's and you can hear the delight in it it's like oh my gosh hmm. this this word rhymes with this word and you're like yeah but let's not let's <laughs> but i was like they rhyme. Let's do this. And so that's great. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to recite any of it. Oh my Uh, gosh. I had a line that, um, (laughs) 
I can't help. Well, then, yeah. Now I am going to ask you to recite some. Of yeah, that. this was. I can't even remember the the setup line, but it was like a a heartbreak poem, and it said the second line. I had, I must have had to rhyme with rust or something, but I said. This is, people are going to shut off the podcast at this point. Like, I want to learn from, but <clears throat> the second line was, scratch me off your toasts as if I were burnt crust. Like, like oh. that was, that's just the most delicious 12-year-old poetry. I, I kind of like that. No, you I no. might take that. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might use it. I might work with that. Use it. I will, <laughs> I will not. I will not go to a court of law for that, or All probably right, I may come back to you at some point <laughs> with my big hit, burnt toast. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about sense of place in your music, if we can. You've lived your whole life in the Pacific Northwest, right? From uh, yeah, for the most part. Okay. Have, for the purposes I, of yeah. this question, let's assume yeah, let's that. assume that. Good, good, good. Yep. So, from my perspective, at least, I was raised on the East Coast. Spent my adulthood, have spent my adulthood in the flatlands here in the Midwest. Oh. Pacific Northwest, very distinct in particular part of the country, right? Mountains, ocean. You're far enough up there to have these long winter nights, long summer days, mm-hmm. rainy seasons. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mysterious like that Twin Peaks vibe. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think that's found its way into your music? Or do you, is it just home to you? It is... I grew up pretty close to the sea, you know, in a in farm kind of rolling valleys and um, where you could see the mountains far off, but you, you know, they were far away to where they, you could, you know, hold out your hand and pinch them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, and then I grew up coming up to the mountains and the mountains were this just kind of sacred, holy place where you could the smell of pine seemed unworldly like when the when the sun just beats on pine it just opens up this kind of vanilla bourbon smell that Mm. um you just can breathe and you didn't know you weren't breathing before (laughs) uh yeah so the mountains have always been the sacred place and my grandparents lived up in the mountains and they had created this they built a cabin you know with their own hands and and had created this space for my, where I could go up as a kid and just really run a, run around and relax. And um, so so moving up here seemed like that just did never seem real, you know. And so there's always been kind of this dichotomy, but I mean, even just from the you know Western Washington. Where in that rainy, kind of foggy, mysterious, very green, luscious space to the mountains where it's, you know, dry pine, yeah, eight feet of snow in some places in the winter, Hmm. Um, very seasonal, like um, thick, thick snow and then hot, hot heat and um, a little bit of rain in between the seasons and I, it's, they're very, very different where I grew up and where I am now. And they're only two hours apart. So I, I do find that, yeah, I do find it kind of coming in and out of the music everywhere. And the last couple albums I've done, I wrote up in the mountains and, um, my, the music I'm writing has really taken just this wilderness theme without me really intending it to, um, I have like song about raven and then on this 
on this album, Huckleberries, you know, there's just like all these different and wild roses. And I just, I'm finding a lot of wisdom and parallels and, um, in the setting itself. And it's sort of, it feels like, again, it feels like back in sophomore English class, like that felt like cheating because it was a delight to just put this, you know, topic to music. And then here I, you know, I go for a walk and I see these wild roses um, coming up out of the snow or, you know, in this springtime or I, or I go out in the dead of winter and I know that there's wild roses underneath there in this meadow. There are wild roses and they're just sleeping under the snow and they're totally fine with that. And, you know, the songs just sort of write themselves. So I, um, yes, setting is if that's what your question was. Yeah, well, yeah that's great. Yeah, it, co- it goes all throughout, and um, I don't know what I would write about without, <laughs> <laughs> without setting. Yeah. Your, your husband, Aaron mm-hmm. Fishburne, yes. is your frequent collaborator, yes. right? Yes. Uh-huh. So can you talk a little bit more, you started to, about how you work together, at what parts of your process are you including Aaron? You bring him early ideas, finished kind of finished things and and how's how's that working he's he's a really good match for me because he um I think early on when I started music I mean to be honest like that standing ovation I was like yeah okay this is how I maybe I can connect with people this way and that was you know the the most um the the best part of that was like, yes, I'm connecting with people on this emotional level. I like that. But also it feels really good to get a standing ovation. And, um, I don't want to, I, that's a very fleeting thing. in in a performance like business or something like you will make things that people love and you will make things that people don't totally love. Maybe, you know, and it's just, it's not a good roller coaster to ride, like people's response to your stuff. So Aaron is like a really even keeled, person and so I'll show him something that I think is like the best thing ever and he'll be like yeah it's cool and then I'll show him an idea that I don't think it's very good and he's like yeah it's cool so he like he, he's totally and he means it too he's he just he's but he's not really flowery with how he um responds it's just um he's a really good um listener <laughs> is does what he, I'm trying does to he say. ever does he have a way of telling you when you should let something go no, no, he'll, yeah. um, no, he, I, so I bring him on board if I'm like, um, you know, if I've finished something and then we're, I'm trying to figure out, you know, we have a show and I'm like, let's play this new song and then we'll, or, or I'll, you know, what do you, what do you hear on bass for this song? And he'll come up with something amazing. And he's a really like good supportive musician and he'll, you know, create these really cool bass lines on top of it. And, um, or underneath it, I guess. And, um, so yeah, he and I don't, don't actually typically write a lot together. He's, um, he's very much in the music mind and the, he wants there to be a rhythm and, a, a te- you know, something to tether to. And that's right. so, so good because I, I will, and, and especially before working with him, I would, you know, I am totally fine with just wandering rhythmically and melodic you know like i will just go 
dance all over the place to where I've just disconnected really from most of the audience. <laughs> and they're like, where are we going here? And some people will stick with me, but a lot of people, they, they want to hear music that has a cadence to it that they can somehow parallel their heartbeat to in some way. And, and mm -hmm. he is really, um, just the magic with that, just sort of bringing it a bringing pulse and, you know, flesh and bones to these existential ideas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I can hear it in, in the album, the baseline, some of the bass work is remarkable. Yeah. Um, he yeah. is pretty, pretty great stuff. Yeah. Um, you had talked about, you just referenced playing a new song for an audience. So I, I want to touch on that a bit. Is that something you would generally do as you've written something and you're not sure whether it's going to stay in the repertoire or not? Would you try it out early in the process in front of a live audience? Yeah, I I do. Um, I, I, that's what I really loved about playing early on were these open mic settings where, um, where you could just, yeah, you could play. And for some reason, right, when you play it in front of an audience, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that line is not great. Or like, right. oh, that. <laughs> Even if there's not an actual reaction, you get that yeah. sense, you're what, saying. Yeah, what is, yeah, you're like heightened to what's happening, what you're performing. and Or like, wow, I'm, I'm losing it here. I don't quite have this part figured out. Or this needs a bridge. Or I've totally, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing that happens, isn't it, in that setting. Yeah. And yet now, you've been a year, I'm guessing, without that ability yes right <laughs> yeah let's talk about the album a bit let's talk about some of these songs sure um i want to talk about the song two sons yeah. this is the song of yours that caught my ear um i hadn't wasn't familiar with the music before and i heard this and it, it really caught my attention um maybe because the par parable of the prodigal son has always been kind of figured big for me for some reason mm. and i found that when i became a parent it became kind of more clear to me that this was a story not about the prodigal son. It's a story about the parents, right? Mm -hmm. About maybe unconditional love. Yeah. And maybe what you're getting at here, related concept about the concept of home, what creating a home means, right? Yeah. Um, so can you talk about the, the, what, how this song came about and what it means to you? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it might tie back into that loneliness. Um, I'm reading the Walden Pond, uh, Henry David Thoreau, yeah. uh, or, or that quote's in there of like, uh, leading lives of quiet desperation. Right. And, um, yeah, and hearing that this morning, it's, an, I have it on audiobook right now. I was just, maybe that's the same thing. Maybe he's talking about this, this loneliness, but yeah, that, that song is, I mean, uh, the first few lines are pretty much word for word like what Jesus said I mean he says there once was a man who had two sons and the older and the younger one said to his father and then from there I kind of you know I make it rhyme I make it fit and everything but it's um it's pretty much the story straight on which is what I was hoping you know hoping to do um because there's no <laughs> any like parable or story i just want to stick to it and let the story like do its work but in the bridge i definitely come in and just this you know it says i'm miles and miles from home i'm miles and miles from home and that that's one of those moments you know when i have performed that and i'm singing that line i'm like it's one of those times where i'm like here i am 
this is what I've been trying to say. You know, this is, do you hear, do you hear me? Like I'm, I feel like I don't know what a home is. I don't know where that is. And I'm even in my own being sometimes, like I, I'm don't recognize my hands. I, you know, it's this disconnect and I don't, I don't know what, I know I'm vitamin D deficient. Maybe it's that, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's this, but I just imagine, yeah, when he's walking home and he says, you know, I'm miles from home and I identify with that so strongly, even sometimes when I'm sitting right at my home at my dinner table, like it's a, I, it's a very chewy story. There's (laughs) a lot. It really is. It's very short and very, um, chewy at the same time and yeah good job jesus yeah (laughs) that was that was clever there once was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father give me what is mine and cut me from the vine i'm headed to the city it's my time but money has a funny way running low and all you know is now Take it and shake it thin and leave you someplace dark. It'll take you in. The the home theme, I I, I kind of got bits and pieces of that in some of the other songs too. Yeah. And then you included the cover of the Dylan song, Shelter from the Storm, kind of fits that theme too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that song, I, I don't, um, I don't remember where I heard that one first, but I think it might've been my sister and, um, my sister is also, well, she just passed, uh, Two weeks oh. ago, about yeah. It was like oh, two I'm so weeks. sorry. Thank you. Um, so this this whole wow. album now has this other dimension of you know home with a little H and home with a big H is what my family's oh, yeah. been talking about a lot. And but I think she showed me that song originally, and hmm. and she's sort of she's sort of the like figure that's described in this song almost to where she she is just fully gracious and fully beautiful and um full of adventure um but in with arms wide open kind of a thing and um so yeah this this whole this whole season has been so strange she she had um cancer that had just she was diagnosed two years ago and she's been in hospice for about six months or so okay and We've had a really good, we had a really good last six months. I think she was over on the west side of the mountain, so about an hour and a half from where I am. And she, um, I got to go and see her. She was um, doing an at-home hospice, um, right? Which I'm so grateful for because God bless those hospice people. Oh my goodness, yeah. So a nurse, right? yeah, I know. And a nurse would come and and take care of her there, but then you know, we were able to come and visit. And, um, so we had some really good, some really good memories in the last 
um, couple years and especially in the last six months. Um, so yeah, the, this, she's yeah. your sister is kind of inhabiting this record in a way. Yeah, I would, I would say, and, and just, and then I was so pulled for some reason to do this, to include this shelter from the storm, um, song on there. And that was before we knew, you know, which direction this was going to go with, right. with my sister. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I see her in it a lot, even more now. Mm. So, yeah. Suddenly I turned around and she was standing there With silver bracelets on her wrists and flowers in her hair She walked up to me so gracefully and she took my crown with thorns Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm Let's talk about the song Wild Horse. Sure. It's a, another great song. The vocal delivery kind of reminds me of Suzanne Vega, if that makes any sense to you. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm showing my age a little bit here, I think. <laughs> but uh, uh, I love the line, when the general makes his list, I am hiding in the midst. It's a great rhyme, and it really works. It really, <laughs> it really grabbed yeah. me. <laughs> yes, yes. This one is a useful and good rhyme. Oh, my gosh. It fits. <laughs> um, I read this song came about as a collaboration of some sort with a dance project. Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through that in terms of process where you maybe have a different kind of prompt for a song versus maybe one of your other more standard procedures? Yeah, this one, this one's weird. This one's, it was a, it came in to being in an, a very cool, but odd way. When I was little, I had my first lucid dream. Um, where you realize you're asleep and you don't wake up. Yep. Yeah, where you don't wake up. Do you have those too? I do. They're really fun. Oh my gosh. It's the best. In that moment when you're like, okay, I'm dreaming. But you don't You don't want to wake up though. You, you like yes. somehow You're in have control. To, yeah, but you have to, there's like, you can, you can wake yourself up just by realizing that. But anyway, my first lucid dream I, I had, I realized I was dreaming and I said, oh my gosh, I can do anything I want. Uh, what do I want to do? And I decided as this little girl, I wanted to ride a horse. And so along comes a horse and then I hop on the horse and it, um, and it even had like knelt down for me, which doesn't, you know, as, as long as you're dreaming, why not make it easy? So sure. knelt down, I jump on his back and we take off and, um, we run through like meadows and up hillsides and even like through traffic. I remember like there was stop traffic and we were just galloping through like a motorcycle but cooler and um (laughs) (laughs) and there was just this freedom and this lack of fear and um and then with this song i i was asked by the seattle international dance festival to collaborate with a dancer so they put me and a dancer together and just said create they said create something together and then, and that was the assignment. And um, that's fairly open. It was very open ended. And I mean, I, we kind of assumed, like, okay, so probably I will be making a song and you will be dancing. So we, we narrowed it down to that. And I got together with this um, awesome dancer named Elise. And we um, just talked. And she said, you know, we, we just, I was saying how I'd been thinking about this, um, this feeling of disconnect between 
my, um, like who I, who I am on the very, very inside and then who I am in the world and kind of decide, you know, in my ideal, I'm not afraid. And, and, but in real, I am afraid. And, and, and then kind of built the song around that. And I, I started playing music and she started dancing and then we just kind of kept it growing from there. And, um, so when you're working with the dancer, was there feedback? So was the dance feeding back into what you were writing and and changing as it went along? Yeah, she would. Yeah. I don't, it was kind of an interesting, I don't know how it happened. (laughs) You know, sort of like I would kind of, she would sort of dance and I would sort of play and, um, and then she would do kind of a move that felt, you know, that showed what disconnected might be. And it was sort of this, it was so surreal because then, cause here's a dancer in front of me fully in her body and fully dancing and fully bringing to life this, this idea of being disconnected to your own body. And it was just this really kind of freeing and healing experience in a way because she heard me and then could and then she could do the second half of the song because in the second half of the song it's saying but when i'm asleep when i'm dreaming i'm alive and i can move and i'm like riding a a horse and i'm riding it up into the stars and around and the universe i'm like i'm fully alive and awake and she could do that in her dance like she yeah you know in front of me and it was just this neat you know maybe just the fact that i can conceive of this kind of freedom maybe maybe that's something to celebrate you know my feet are on the ground but i wouldn't know it i wouldn't know it cause i'm stuck in my head for now up in my shoulders up where i told you when the general makes his list i am hiding in the mist staying low and singing all of this when the sun is gone to bed pull the covers overhead navy blue until it's black instead with singing stars Um, so can people find this online, the video and the song of the dance? Yeah, the, well, the, um, we're, we're working on a music video. I'm trying to capture, um, capture that, but we haven't, um, we haven't, we keep getting like held back with the video, but the song itself yeah. is out. Um, it's called Wild Horse and it's, right. um, yeah. Hopefully um, there'll be the video with the dance sometime down the line. Yeah, I think probably in two months or so we should have it. I, I want to maybe release it when we release the album itself. Right. So when people are hearing this, maybe it'll be out. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll put some. I'll put something in the intro or on the website about it. There if, we go. If you can find it then. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the song Wild Roses. Sure. This is a cool sounding song. Thank you. We talked earlier about your husband with the bass. The bass sounds are just haunting <laughs> on this song. Mm-hmm. And we also talked a bit about your collaboration um, with him. Yeah. And I want to I want to talk about maybe 
what we consider the songwriting process, right? Uh, most of the time we talk about like words and a melody and that is the song. Yeah. But sometimes to me, it seems like it's something bigger mm-hmm. that the songwriting, the song creation includes the arrangement and the production, right? Yeah. And where do you really draw the line? So this is a song that to me sounds like the creative process is something bigger than words and melody, right? Yeah, totally. I This one was um, a friend of ours um, was coming up to the mountains to, he does um, something called the Ballard Sessions. And just these very raw um, live videos of songs that were just written. Um, and it, they're not always songs that were just written, but he said pretty much they're always a brand new song. Um, and he was coming, he's like, hey, I'm what would you think about me coming up there and recording, you know, recording a video? And I was like, Oh my goodness, that'd be awesome. And so he, uh, he came up and we were going to film the next day. It was very snowy. (laughs) And I realized like, I don't really have the song for this actually. Like I don't actually have, I I want, I was trying, I wanted to honor his, his time, (laughs) like in his, his talent because he, I, I love what he captures. And so, I, um, the night before we were supposed to, to film, I, um, just started writing and it was the first time I've ever written a song with like intention of the type of song I wanted to write. Like, okay. I, I don't normally say I'm going to, I want to write a country song with like a, you know, a sick backbeat. I like, I, I don't, I don't normally do that. It's, it's always like this lyric idea or this story. I would like to tell that. And but this time I was like, I want to write a song that works in the snow, that has some mms in it. Like I really wanted mms in it. Okay. <laughs> and and that um, that has this kind of waking up, um, you know, feeling to it. So that that I went into it with that intention, and then I, as I was um, writing it, I remembered these this meadow of wild roses and. Um, so yeah, just sort of, uh, went from there and then it, uh, goes deeper into, you know, deep in the mountain, there's a humming, a flowing flame deep in your chest. There's a break and the light comes in and it's sort of this, this almost, it's almost a nauseating patience for us sometimes to grow and to learn. And then, um, but it's, it's good, <laughs> like stick with it. So, um, so yeah, Aaron, Aaron was definitely, he was like laying on the couch next to me as I'm writing that. And he would say, Oh, I like that. Or I like that. And, um, which was really helpful with this brand new song. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, okay. And then, you know, can you do the mm's cause it's not in my key. And yeah, he, he, I think he was thinking through how he would create the bed underneath like this boom, boom. And it kind of gives it this pulse. And on the album, on the on the single, you hear um, Natalie Natalie playing cello, right? So there, and so those definitely inner intertwine um, the bass part and her cello part. And she she's just a master. Like she came in. I mean, the biggest like it. This feels like cheating, also in music. Like you just get the very best people to play. And they just play these amazing things, and um, and and Natalie, both Aaron and Natalie, and um, are that way. And so Natalie came in and just sort of closed her eyes and like played. You know, that was yeah. like that was 
and it's, the counterpoints there between the the really low bass line and the cello is just, uh, just amazing. Yeah, I I um I've been <laughs> I keep trying to learn viola, and I have a cello that I've borrowed that I keep trying to learn, and it's like I it might be too late for me to like get this, but <laughs> well, the standards around there are pretty high. Yeah, no, string I, instruments. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to play on my own <laughs> music now. <laughs> song sure. you, you referenced it earlier I want, I want to talk about huckleberry i'm yeah. i'm a sucker for the bluegrass sound I think the, yeah once the, the guitar and the bass on this are great and i think it's cool the way um at least at this point i'm assuming i'm looking at the final order of the songs on what you sent me that with the first song being wild roses and the final song being huckleberry right yeah they kind of yeah. bookend the album and they both kind of stand a bit apart sonically for maybe the songs in between Hmm. Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, can you talk about how the song came about? Yeah, this one was fun. I, um, It was, gosh, originally I started writing it back um, when I was with a band called The Banner Days. And um, we had done a Kickstarter and one of the award or like things you could, um, yeah, one of the awards, I guess is what you call it, was we'd write a song for them, okay. <laughs> for the person. And um, and then a, a relative of mine said, hey, could you write a song about your grandpa Dick? And mm. um, I was like, yeah, actually, I, I've already written some about him. Like, he's a fantastic person. And he actually just passed away last week. So we've oh, had wow. we've had quite a Sheesh. couple weeks. Yeah. yeah, there's something comforting about, I mean, lost my sister and then my grandpa and both were in hospice both were mm. I, there's something comforting to me about them kind of walking whatever this next part is together but yep anyway yeah this and this song yeah is, is um is about is about my grandpa he's a, just him and my grandmother are the ones who you know who built that cabin i was talking about up in the woods that right um just created such a such a space for our family and the song just kind of goes along through their story it's talks about how um i can you know i can see us uh sunflowers for miles and build our home with river stones and shave down fallen pine and it's just this whole it's just the it's just image after image of of a real thing and he loved fish it talks about fish in there um and then when I went to record it, uh, my friend Jacob Navarro, who's just an incredible uh, bluegrass 
player. He plays mandolin and guitar. And um, he was working at a studio in Seattle. And I saw that and I just was like, man, I want to record Huckleberry with Jacob Navarro. Yeah. And, uh, and so I shot him an email and he was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, yes. So we, Aaron and I went over there and it was a real like bluegrass kind of recording situation. Yeah, I love the guitar work on it. It is great. Yeah, he's just ridiculous. He didn't he hadn't heard the song before, just kinda And you know. what what a wonderful tribute to your grandfather as it turns out yeah. that the song is on this record at this time, yeah. right? Yeah, I yeah, it's and I've I've sort of had it for a while and I just hadn't re- released it yet for some reason and then yeah. I um that's ask you one more question before I let you go. The sure. world is waiting to hear the answer to okay. this question. Let's hear it. What, what is a swarmatron? Oh, swarmatron. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mark Alvis is credited for playing the swarmatron on yeah. this record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's some there's some audio nerds that would love this question. Um, <laughs> it makes the weirdest... It was at Mothership Studios where we recorded Into the Ground and it was this just 80s 90s looking thing and you turn these knobs <laughs> this is the layman's yes. answer to a, a good question <laughs> like layman's answer be i am the layman but um i'm right there with you okay Come good on. yeah you it, it's some sort of analog uh <laughs> analog instrument that creates these very strange sounds but you do have to you know it's all in real time, so you have to do it all, you know, perfectly. So like an analog synthesizer, maybe. Yes, there okay. it is. Synthesizer. Okay. I couldn't even think of that word. At <laughs> My homeschool brain is not. So what song would we hear this on? Uh, what, where did he put that? I think it was on, um, it's on Wild Roses, actually. Okay. There's just kind of these strange, I mean, the strings do some really strange things where you, you I love, that's one of the things I love is how much things just sort of kind of blur in together but if you're hearing some really strange um sounds that's that might be the swarmatron (laughs) i just love that name swarmatron is like from a superhero movie or something yeah yes (laughs) okay beth i think we've taken up enough of your time this has been a great conversation i've really enjoyed it thank you mike i hope you're able to get out soon and do some shows celebrating this wonderful Mm. record Um, Thanks. Hopefully that happens soon. And maybe by the time people are hearing this, that will be happening. So uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to that too. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very much, Beth. You bet. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. Anyway, I've forgotten what I was talking about. Did I say that out loud?